the second podcast of Sight and Insight. This week, we're going to be talking about beauty. Thank you for listening. I'm Judy Curtis. I'm an independent writer and researcher specializing in American art history, and I write regularly for the American Art Review. With me today are Lorwyn Connie Nagel, who has a PhD in psychology and who've been painting for the past 20 years. She's going to provide some insight into the conversation. And we also have with us David P. Curtis, a New England artist who has been painting for over 50 years and teaching outdoor oil painting techniques for the last 25. David is going to give us the site overview. So we have our coffee, we're sitting comfortably, let's jump right in. The question is, does beauty in art still matter? What does beauty really mean? We all know the phrase, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, but does that say it all in terms of art? Can an artist concoct beauty? What do you think, Connie? I think that beauty is very important and, um, and does still matter in the world of art. Beauty is really an emotional force, and if we find technical means to express it, such emotion will be felt by the viewer of the, of the artwork. Okay, how about you, David? What do you think? I think it's a very difficult subject because, um, because of that phrase that's become very popular, beauty's in the eye of the beholder, and that makes me think of the, about the fact that if, if something was very beautiful in, in front of us and this um, person went by that um, was disturbed by something and didn't recognize it the way we did sitting there observing the ocean or whatever it would be as being beautiful, um, does that mean that beauty didn't exist because it wasn't witnessed? So even if the artist doesn't capture the beautiful day, um, the beauty was still there. So I think it's, 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 it's for the artist to try to put it into his terms, in his way, and that's what makes it beautiful. Because uh, I think every work of art that is beautiful is different. And I think there is a difference between something that is beautiful art and, and beauty art that is not beautiful. Okay. So are there different types of, of beauty? I've heard of personal beauty, impersonal beauty, feeling beauty. What, can you tell us what the, what the difference is, Connie? Well, uh, there is a big difference between all three of those uh, types of beauty that you just defined. Uh, one, uh, personal beauty has a lot to do with our own personal storyline. Each individual has a certain uh, a set of memories and uh, associations and experiences based on their lives, and, and it's only relative to their life. The impersonal beauty has to do with transcendent beauty, has to do with more beauty that that moves beyond the ages that transcends any one person's uh, experiences in this lifetime and feeling beauty is is something that i believe that is indicative of artwork of of visual artists and it has to do with the experience that a viewer has 
looking at a masterful piece of artwork. They experience a certain set of associations that may be uh, beyond uh, abilities to, uh, for language to describe those, those set of experiences. And that is what I would describe as a feeling beauty. Okay, so when you have so many different things to think about then in terms of, of beauty, when you go out to paint outdoors, David, and you, you want to pick out the, the scene that you're going to, uh, to work on, do you look for a beautiful scene? Is there such a thing as uh, beautiful, something that's perfectly beautiful? Um, or do you have to find something that is close and then you have to adjust it to, to make it uh, into uh, a more symmetrical kind of beauty? Is, is there something that you're looking for when you go outdoors before you even start to paint? Yes, I, I suppose we, we do search for that. Uh, I think it's, it's, it's there right in front of us. Um, I think it's, um, um, I th it's walking through the garden. I think it's, uh, you observe all the different colored flowers. I think it might be the colors first. Maybe it's the scent. Maybe it's the atmosphere of the day. Maybe it's, um, it's the forms that we see in nature. There's something there for all of us at all times. I think though the artist is is opening up his his mind to accept it. Uh, I think that's his goal as he goes out there. Whereas I think maybe sometimes the viewer <clears throat> can walk right past something that's absolutely beautiful and not take it in, but maybe maybe in their minds they're in a more beautiful state of mind within themselves, and it doesn't matter. So. I think it's I think it's the artist is always looking for that way of expressing it uh, that which he sees. Um, I think maybe be, because beauty can be seen in so many different ways, maybe it's all about the composition that the beauty is captured within. And I'm not talking about the objective composition of uh, of the ocean with some rocks beside and a dramatic sky. I'm not talking about uh, that sort of a uh, beauty. I'm talking about the um, the uh, endlessness that it, it always has. It's always there. Even when I pack up and leave, it's still present. It's still there. Um, and I think to capture it, I think if I had find an interesting design, that that is maybe more likely an interpretation of what I'm seeing out there than if it was just a beautifully rendered flower. Okay. What do you look for when you go outdoors to paint, Connie? Do you have something in mind that you're seeking? Um, that is, is it an effective light you're looking for? Or, or, or the colour, as David says? Is there something that attracts you to even set up? I think for, for me, personally, um, I set up uh, because I'm inspired. Uh, it isn't necessarily, it could be the lighting effect. It could have some um, um, association with the technical aspects of the day, you know, from, a, from an artistic standpoint. But it's a feeling that usually pulls me toward a certain site. 
And uh, and that feeling is intriguing and captivating. And uh, whether that feeling comes from my association with with the color, the form, the uh, mood of the day, uh, I I wouldn't be able to say exactly what what combination. But one of the things I was going to say too when David was talking was that it reminds me of uh, the philosopher Emil Kant, who was a famous philosopher during the 19th century. And he said, art can only be called beautiful if we are conscious of it as art, while at the same time, it looks like nature. And I believe that that uh, sums up a lot of what David was just talking about. Nature itself stands as a beauty uh, that is independent of our personal uh, associations or our personal um, value judgments of what we call beauty or not beauty. Uh, And yet, it is in the artist who, um, to, the artist has the challenge to step up to the plate and paint something that is is indeed an artwork, but imbues that beauty of nature. Mm-hmm. So uh, not only, uh, just to follow up, not only is it just about the design, but it is about the objectives, mm-hmm. the 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 world, the forms that make up the the reality is part of that beauty as well. It's not a lesser beauty if you if you get a great design, but you don't turn the forms. It still might work as a painting, but it might not have the completion of it all. Mm-hmm. Then there's the other one who overdoes the forms, and everything is about form, and there's no good design. So I think I think the design that we choose as a painting is is involved in this involved in this beauty, and I think that comes out about as science would say, Connie's a scientist. Uh, would say that uh, the golden mean, the golden ratio, is a is is where the perfect placement is on a rectangle, um, and I and I think that that maybe that is echoed from science into all of mankind because science usually proves what's already existent in nature. Okay, so when you go out though, if suddenly we're into the science and the golden mean and this golden ratio. Does that take away from the imaginative foundation, that first creative foundation that you want to make? Are you becoming too scientific? Does it have to be very precise before you even start painting? Or is there there an element of of inspiration that, that starts you off? How... How would you? Well, the artist is. Uh, I'm sorry, but the artist is selective. If the rose leaf has an imperfection on it, does the artist have to put it in? Maybe, maybe that's part of the beauty. Is that there's an imperfect part of that beauty? Exactly. Or maybe it's something he wants to eliminate and take out. So I think that's in the artist's hands. I would also say that. Um, that like David is saying, it's in the it's it's it has to do with the artist's judgment mm-hmm. about what they want to put in or leave out from from what they see in nature. 
but the art symbol itself, which is the artwork uh, that we are describing as, as imbuing beauty, is a representation of the imagination that arouses much thought, but it can't embody all of this. See, it's, it's, it can't explain it through, through language, and that is the element of beauty. Mm-hmm. I think beauty goes beyond words. Yeah, well, I, I suppose that's what I'm trying to get at, is that it's not, you're not going out with a, a scientific approach that might be cold or clinical, mm-hmm. but there is a, a science of, um, or a, a mathematical combination that makes a more pleasing design that you're perhaps looking for in nature. What comes first? Do you, do you look for something specific in nature or do you just start splashing the paint on? I was going to say that I believe that, that as an artist... I use a variety of different techniques and, and methods to achieve something that I think is ephemeral, mm-hmm. that is beyond those techniques. It stands beyond those. Um, and um, so it might be that it references the eternal. It references something. It's, it's in the finite. It's in the the moment of the day that I am I'm looking at something and I may use the the golden mean I um to to try to suss out what what compositional uh placement I might want to do on my canvas I might use certain kinds of color uh color methods um but all of those are in service of this what I'm calling is the transcendent, the impersonal beauty mm-hmm. that I would like to, to manifest and have um, come forward in my painting. Okay, yeah, just um, for those of us who aren't overly familiar with some of these expressions, David, could you explain what the golden mean, the golden ratio actually is? It's, uh, the, the definition is going to be uh, very scientific. It's basically you take a line, you divide the line uh, to make another square. That square, then you find the diagonal of that rectangle so that all the new squares you create add up to the equal to the original square. Okay. It's, it's, it's like I said, it's more complex. It's, but what we're calling it the sweet spot in the rectangle. There's a place on a rectangle that is, is more pleasing to the eye than any other place. For instance, if I put something in right in the middle of my canvas and it's obvious to everybody, um, then that's a distraction. If I put something off-center on the canvas um, and it's in, a, it's in a pleasing place so that the difference between the positive and the negative are in harmony with each mm-hmm. other and not equated in any way, um, I think that that makes a pleasing arrangement. Science is saying that this is something that Leonardo used, something that other great artists used. I'm not sure of that. My own temperament tells me that most artists would want to know it and want to know as much um, eclectic knowledge about all kinds of things, but not from the point of view of becoming an expert in that particular field. 
So I'm not necessarily saying it's good or bad. It's science. Science is proving, as they proved the color theory, um, proved that there's this golden ratio, that there's this golden mean or this sweet spot in a rectangle, which can help a lot of painters. Okay, so when a painter is setting out to um, compose the scene, um, he's looking for something that is the focus is going to be slightly off centre, uh, and I suppose we could call it a beauty spot, couldn't we? That there's right. a specific place where you perhaps want to put something, because when we talk about um, balance in a painting, we don't necessarily mean that something has to be uh, equitable. It's, it's in fact it's better for it to be um, the negative and positive space to be unequal, and to have certain designs such as the Nautilus shape, <laughs> which I've certainly well, been reading about. I think the reason why you don't want too much symmetry in a painting is it, it sort of stifles movement and, and, and rhythm in a painting. And it's, those, it's, the, it's the things that are op opposite or odd that create movement, like, like two ends of a magnet can make something move. Yeah. The, the, the force between the two, the north and the south pole, can always create movement. Oh, is that tension of opposites? Right, so the tension of... So in a painting, the amount of light in a painting, the amount of dark in a painting, I think equates to this. Mm -hmm. And I think through this, to get back to the idea of beauty, I think this is the essence of what beauty is. Um, before we discussed this, I felt that beauty was a very difficult subject to, um, and as a teacher, I don't think I've ever brought that up. Um, my father, when somebody would say, uh, that painting is a pretty painting, my father would instantly say, uh, women and flowers are pretty. Paintings are beautiful. <laughs> I would like to say something about that. Please do. Okay. <laughs> I would like to say that there's a big difference between pretty art, as Roger said, and beautiful art. Pretty art is usually not profound. It's not truly studied, um, and it's not about the beauty of nature. It usually consists of pretty colors assembled um, like in an embroidery, you know, um, design, uh, uh, pretty postcards. But beautiful art is uh, about basing the artwork on truth and and on the truth of nature without compromise. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's an interesting uh, idea. Um, I came across something that says one of the things about beauty, when, when you think about what does it actually mean, one of the things that it uh, mentioned was one does not grow tired of beauty, whereas one does grow tired of what is pleasing, of what only flatters the senses. Would you agree with that, that it, it has to have this timeless quality? I would, yes. Um, I think that um, it is the beauty of time and of the finite that references the eternal. Mm -hmm. So what happens is that when we look at something, um, a painting, uh, it is... It's referencing something that is beyond time. And yet, the content of it might be, uh, for instance, we've talked about different, different paintings. Um, 
it, it could be, you know, like Vermeer's, um, the the blue uh, the the pearl earring. Oh, the girl with the pearl. Yeah, um, that it references the eternal. It it is a it is a young girl, uh, and yet it's not about the young girl. The okay. beauty comes from the whole piece of artwork in and of itself. The, okay, the gestalt. So, the gestalt. Oh, okay, yes, that word keeps <laughs> cropping up. Can you can you just go over what gestalt means for people like me that can't remember? <laughs> okay, gestalt is not a man's name. <laughs> gestalt is a German word meaning the whole, and um, and in fact the whole piece. And we're referencing Vermeer's uh, "Girl with the Pearl Earring," is is in and of itself, a, uh, a reality, independent of the, of the pearl earring, the girl's uh, look, um, her lips, um, any other aspect of that painting. Yeah, David, I was going to ask you about the same, the same painting because I think it's one a lot of people would be able to uh, be familiar with. Yes, what? because it's difficult to talk about something that's visual. It is, it's just an abstract But uh, The Girl with the Pearl, a very fine painting. I think Connie summed it up. It's the unity, it's the whole of the painting that gives it a quality. But also, too, I look at it, and, and knowing a little bit about Vermeer, I think that was probably one of his younger daughters, maybe mid-teens, mm -hmm. And I think it's, and I think he really captured this wonderful um, feeling in the expression that she has in the painting, and um, and uh, a beautiful lighting effect on on the figure, and I think it's that design of the light and shade on her face uh, to make the shapes and the and the way he's turned the form that make it very pleasing to the eye. So I, I think it's it's that quality, as Connie said, that if he painted this in 1500, um, then today, uh, 500 years later, it's, um, it's, it's still as beautiful as maybe when he first did it, if not more beautiful, if that's possible. So, but ultimately, I suppose a lot of people, when they hear the word beautiful, tend to think of looks, about how... Uh, appearances. If you Google the word beauty online, uh, as I did, to try and get some background to what is uh, an abstract thought to me, um, you come up with a lot of websites relating strictly to physical beauty. Um, and so I think in the, the word has perhaps, what does beauty actually mean? Is it, it, does it have a universal um, background to it that that people from different cultures would understand the word beauty. Well, I think Connie said it best. There's personal beauty, is what you're mm -hmm. saying. I think which would be the the individual uh, grooming themselves, going to the toilet each day, and making themselves look more appropriate uh, for for society mm -hmm. and things. And then there's the impersonal beauty, which um, is is there whether we we find it or not. I mean, we could walk right by it. I find as an outdoor painter, a lot of times people will come out and this gentleman walking his dog looked over at me and said, out here to paint, are you? And I said, I'm not sure. <laughs> Meaning that I was experiencing beauty mm -hmm. before I even set up to paint. Yeah. 
And I think if I, as I said uh, before, if I could wrap that up, package it, and bring it home as a gift, to me that would be the most wonderful gift of all. Yeah, it would be a wonderful gift, as you say. Um, so the girl with the pearl, I think it has, when you look at it, it has... Um, it has a simplicity to it. It has a, um, a. It's very easy to to look at and appreciate, as you say. What if you contrasted that with another painting, such as the one by John Singer Sargent, um, Lily, Lily, Carnation Rose, um, which has a much more complex subject. That's a beautiful painting too. It's whereas the girl with the pearl is uh, only a small uh, painting. Lily Lily is an enormous piece that took Sargent a number of years to complete, I believe, because he was trying to paint it on site with two little girls who were obviously not going to be able to keep still very long. And he was also trying to paint it at a particular time of day, sort of like a twilight effect to little girls in a garden with um, the flowers in the background and Chinese lanterns. Uh, he did a wonderful job of capturing that effect, but... Um, there's a complexity to it that we don't see in the girl with a pearl earring. So is beauty simple? Is it? Can it be complex? Is it? Is there too much? Can there be too much beautiful uh, attributes in a painting? I would say that, uh, for instance, in the John Singer Sargent painting. There is a complexity, and that that complexity, or degree of complexity, is necessary, and um, and provides a certain beauty. Uh, additionally, I would say that he has a unity in that piece, as well as an intensity. There's a certain intensity with the with the um, lighted. Uh, uh, lanterns and um, and the children uh, so that you, you're able to see something now time doesn't pass really for this silent painting mm -hmm. because that's another aspect to fine art I think uh, the paintings show us something and relate stories melodies that are ever new for the viewer, and they invite us to reflect upon our own lives. Yeah, thank you very much, Connie. Did you have anything to add about that painting, David? I know it's a favorite of yours. Yes, and uh, when I saw it in real life, I was bowled over by the fact of the size of it. It was it was enormous, and as you said, it took him many years to do. And it's uh, pure poetry, and I, I think of all the art forms, poetry wants rhythm, music. Mm -hmm wants words, and tries to make pictures. And I, I think it's one of the higher art forms. Um, we as painters try to make pictures into poetry. And I think that's, that's, there's a poem there. You know, there's a beautiful piece of poetry in that the, the light is going out the end of the day and the girls are relighting the light, you might say. So it's, it's eternal. Uh, interesting thought. Um, the definition of beauty... It's a noun that says the quality present in a thing or person that gives intense pleasure or deep satisfaction to the mind, whether arising from sensory manifestations as shape, colour, sound, etc., a meaningful design or pattern 
or something else as a personality in which high spiritual qualities are manifest. If Sargent took so long to paint something as large as that on site, do you, as an artist, do you lose that first inspiration? What is it that keeps you going to be able to refine your painting to such an extent that you still have that beautiful quality to it and you haven't laboured, so it doesn't look as if you've laboured over it? How do you keep that, that, that first moment? Well, I would say that 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 is probably guiding the artist all the time, because I believe as as artists um, we are about the sublime, the eternal, and um, and maybe artists wouldn't say that like we are saying today in the podcast. But uh, I believe it's always guiding us as as artists, and I believe it was guiding uh, Sargent, and um, and so in in his technical abilities, he he is always trying to achieve that di- idealized beauty. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you very much, the two of you. We're coming to the end of uh, this week's podcast. Thank you very much for joining us. And I hope you'll tune in next week when we're going to be talking about aesthetics. So until then, thank you and goodbye. Great time.